Hi everyone, it's Joe here from Lawn Solutions Australia and today I'm lucky to be joined by a very familiar face for a lot of you and a familiar face for us, our friend Jason Hodges. Hey Jason. Joe, hi everyone. We're here in um, beautiful Berry on the south coast of New South Wales which is Jason's new home, my home as well. So Your old home. That's my new home, my current home. No, you moved the bombardier. No, I didn't. Not yet. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's a beautiful day here, we're on Jason's farm. What do you got about? You got about 300 square metre farm here, I think, isn't it? 300 square metre? No, this is uh, 4.2 acres of the most productive land on the south coast. <laughs> so uh, we'll get into this a little bit later on, but you, you're growing a couple of plants here, I see. Uh, yeah, it's called Buxus Balls of Berry, uh-huh. and it's uh, it's a joy. It's a joy. We'll come back a little uh, to that a little bit later, um, but while we got you here, let's circle right back. Um, I guess a lot of people want to know how you got to sort of where you are today, how the journey went. Where did it all start? Uh, you obviously didn't just jump straight onto a TV screen. Uh, you had to start and build your way up from, from somewhere. So how did this journey start? Um, when I was seven years old, I, uh, I said to my parents I wanted to be a landscaper. Um, and they thought I wanted to be a farmer, but I just didn't realise it was landscaper. Uh, both my sisters were florists. My brother had become a horticulturalist. Mum and dad were keen gardeners and just sort of combined all their jobs and thought that was a bricklayer. And I thought, well, that's way too hard. And then my sister's a florist, and that's sort of, you know, it sounds sexist, but I thought it was a girl's job. And then horticulturists, you tend to work on your own, and I like team sports and team environment. Yep. And so I combined them all together and became a landscaper. And and the journey into <laughs> landscaping, you uh, did your apprenticeship, you went the normal sort of way into that, did you? Or you sort of started roughing around and doing cashies and found your way into it later? Or oh, how'd that work? There's no cash at all in the economy, <laughs> which is a real shame by the time I started working. But um no, look, I did a lot of work with dad when yep. I was at school, just mm-hmm. like you did with your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had basic skill set by the time I'd finished school. Yep. Uh, I started a lawn mowing run as soon as I got my driver's yeah, right. license. Yeah. Uh, I had about 40 lawns when I was in year 12, so yeah. I didn't do much studying. Um, and then, yeah, enrolled in TAFE and did the course of TAFE and never did a formal apprenticeship, but did an apprenticeship as in learned bricklaying from dad, yep. uh, learned fencing and decking and timber work from a, a man named John Doyle. Uh, and learn horticulture through my brother and my sisters. But TAFE was an important sort of, if if you're only going to learn from one person, you're only ever going to be a poor example of that person. Mm-hmm. But if you combine the education, which I took serious compared to school, yeah, uh, and then the uh, information that I learned from those mentors, Dad and Mr. Doyle, um, yeah, I think I did a really good apprenticeship in my way. It's funny you talk about TAFE now. We, um, we've done a little bit of work lately, and you actually give quite a lot back to the new TAFE students now, and you you put them on a pedestal, which is nice. Uh, Amifkus this year, we did a bit of a tour with the TAFE kids, so you see that as a pretty important part of, of what you did. I remember when I left TAFE, I tried to join the Landscape Association of New South Wales, mm-hmm. and it was something like, and this is early 90s, it was like $3,000 to join. Yeah. And I thought, that's not inclusive, that's for big business. Yeah. And so I'm always, and, and it's a smart thing to do with business anyway. If you if you can influence, so I still go to the same nurseries. I still buy my pavers from the same people, mm. my sand and soil, my turf yep. from the people that I bought it with when I was 20 years old. So it's smart for businesses like Lawn Solution or a nursery or a, a turf supplier or a material supplier to look after those kids. Yep. And then it's inclusive, and then they're your next leaders, and then they're the next people who are going to put on apprentices. Yeah. And the smarter our industry is and the more it's um, prestigious, mm. the better jobs you get, the more people spend on their garden. Yeah. Like a generation ago, you'd never borrow money to do up your garden. You'd borrow your money to buy a car or your kitchen or your bathroom, 
but you just do the garden on the weekend. So like 40, 50 years ago, there wasn't a trade for landscapers. It only happened in the 80s that it started being a trade yeah, that right. you went and studied. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm all for it. And the 40 kids that went down to Mifkas this year yeah. and we gave them a shirt and yep. a book and, awesome. and had a chat to them, like there's 60 going next year. Yeah. And so, and that's just one region, which is our region here. It's important to look after your backyard. Mm -hmm. But there's 60 people that are going to think, oh, I'm a good bloke, so I've conned them. But, <laughs> yeah, no, but like yeah. hopefully they get the hand up that I got from – you know, I still call him Mr. Doyle, the man that helped me. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's important. Now, it's awesome that you do that. And we think it's great here too. That's why we try and help you support it where we can. And so moving on from TAFE, uh, you started working, you started getting some clients and you started your own business. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, Green Art. So I called it Hodges Landscapes to start and then I got the job on TV and I realized that I was getting phone calls from Perth and Adelaide. Yeah. And so I changed it to Green Art. Yeah. At its biggest, I had about 11 staff. Um did some pretty good jobs, did a lot of work for uh, Jamie Jury before he was on television, which was an insight into how that kind of world worked. Yeah. Um, grew up in Willoughby, which is the working class suburb of the North Shore, so surrounded by suburbs with money. Um, so, yeah, worked uh, North Shore uh, up to sort of Pimble. Yeah. Um, never really travelled too far from work. I, I learned early from Dad. He had a HQ ute that he had for 30 years that never crossed the Harbour Bridge. Yeah. So why pay $2 to go to work? It kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, tried to work at home or, or close to home as possible and didn't want to take over the world, was just happy with my lot. Um, in 1999, I got asked to do a TV show and I said no. I wanted to play football. And I was one of those young, dumb people that still played football at the time. Yeah, idiots. Do you still play football? No, no I'm yeah. smarter than that. Um, and I said no. And then uh, he goes, I'll give you $1,000 a day. And I said, well, I'm not going to make that playing football. <laughs> so I retired from football. And, uh, yeah, that was the – I was 26 years old when I got the job on TV. So that was um, where I was leading to next. I know a lot of the people watching this at home are probably thinking how a head like that gets on TV. But let's um, – must be the good look and the boy's charm. So – you got your start from there and then things sort of built. What show did you actually start on? I started a show called Auction Squad and it was a little similar to the time at the moment where there was a massive boom in the real estate industry and uh, houses were sort of doubling in price in a year or two. We'd go to houses that couldn't sell yeah. um, and say the reserve was 400000 they didn't get a bid. We'd spend $15,000 on them and then put them back to auction and they'd get five hundred and five fifty right. and six hundred. Right. We yeah. look like geniuses. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, the, the fourth series, the economy had slowed down and the real estate boom was over. And uh, I think we sold two of the 20 houses we did, where the first year we sold all of them. And uh, I thought my time was up. I got a phone call at 9 o'clock in the morning saying uh, auction squad's not going ahead next year. I went, oh, okay, fair enough. That was fun. I got something to show the grandkids. And then at lunchtime I got a phone call saying, oh, you got a job on Better Homes and Gardens. This is that easy. Yeah, yeah. so um, I did Better Homes and Gardens for 16 years. Yeah, wow. Well, I know it was a, you did a great job of that show and I think it's still test now. Uh, you finish on that show now, but people are always coming up to you and, and saying how much they loved you on Better Home. So it's a credit to how well you presented on TV and the work you did. And moving on from TV now, we find ourselves in, in God's country, in Berry, New South Wales. And you got a, a happening little nursery here. I won't even say little anymore. It's quite a big nursery uh, you got growing down here in Berry. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your Bucks' farm and the other plants you're selling and how things are going for you down here? Yeah, well... For starters, I've always been like Jack the Lad. Like, you know, people think, oh, yeah, it just happens or whatever. But I've always had little goals. Yeah. So I started coming down here long before I knew Lawn Solutions, which is based here. Mm -hmm. um, my parents' best friends lived here. 
And so I knew the area really well. But then I started coming down as an adult again to film stuff for Lawn Solutions and I'd film on a Tuesday or a Thursday or whatever it was. And then I'd say, oh, can I film on the Friday because I want to stay the weekend? Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then I found this block of land and um, started coming down every weekend and then fell in love with it and mm-hmm. planted a few bucks, which I thought that I'd just put into my own jobs. Yeah. And the first year I put 500 in. And a buxus is just a hedge plant that, you know, isn't anything special when it's just a hedge, it's like any other hedge. But if it's a ball or a cone or a spiral or a cloud tree, there's a lot of time that goes into it and yep. it sort of raises its value. Um, so I started growing buxus balls of berry. Uh, first year I put in 500, the second year I put in 200, and then I didn't put any in for a couple of years just to wait because they're slow growing. Mm-hmm. If I had have put them in in the third and fourth year, I'd be going much better than what I am today because it's like putting a share away for 10 years and then it comes back and it's worth something. Mm -hmm. So now we've got nearly 7,000 in the ground. Wow. Um, The goal is to sell about 2,000 a year, um, So which is only 40 a week. It's a lot of joy and a lot of fun. Um, It frees up your time. It's not like you have to be a bricklayer and you're laying every brick so you're at work every Mm -hmm. hour of the week. if I want to go to Sydney for the day or if I want to have the day off, they're still going to grow. Yeah. They get watered and the sun shines and, you know, we've got beautiful soil and yeah. great climate here. Yep. Absolutely. So I, a little bit of it was luck, yeah. but uh, it was always a plan to live here by the time I was 54. Yeah. Uh, it just come a little bit earlier, but I'm not complaining about that now. Earlier. Yeah, well, I'm only 21. Yeah, 21 also. Um, so people can follow along at home on Instagram with, with Jason's Instagram page, but I see it up close, but you can see it on Instagram and by talking to people, the business has grown quite a lot. You sell boxes pretty much everywhere now, don't you? Yeah, the majority of it goes to Victoria. Yeah, so um, lucky that like a few of Australia's best garden designers who I have relationships with or friendships with um, have really sort of brought into it because it's pretty easy to go just to one wholesale nursery and say, I want 10 roses, you know, 10 lily pillies and 10 boxes. Yeah. You know, and, and that's how our average landscaper would go and buy their plants. Mm. But the high-end guys, they go and find the growers and they get the best stock. Mm-hmm. And so they go, I want to get the roses from David Austin. I want to get my lily pillies from the native expert. And I want to get my boxes from Jason. Yeah. So, yeah, I quite often have, um, you know, a semi-trailer load going to Victoria to fill mm-hmm. a job for Paul Bango or Miles Baldwin. Yeah. And literally they're the two best-known guard designers in Australia. Yeah, cool. So if I keep them happy, then I'm happy. And while we're here, we've got to talk about the fleet. Uh, so you got Bucks' number plates on how many different cars now? Two different cars? I've got two. <laughs> they are different. And half of Barry thinks that I've duplicated the same number plate. <laughs> so I've got B-U-X-U-S, which yeah. is Bucks's. And I've got BUXU5. Right. And you'd have to look closely to see the fives, yeah. not an S. Yeah. So, yeah, there's lots of people in town that think I'm breaking the law. <laughs> but uh, I, I've got a soft spot for cars, sand shoes, and watches. Right. Watches are a lot easier to stack up than yeah. uh, sand shoes. Yeah. And uh, a lot easier to park than cars. Well, it's a bit of a hit in the main street. The Bucks are shoot. It's always there. You're always at the back. I like the little old Land Rover that I drive yeah. around in. It, yeah. uh, it was funny that. It cost me $1,800 to buy that car, mm. and the rule is that I'm not allowed to drive it into town without Buxus on the back, like a little bit of marketing and advertising. Yeah. The first day that I drove into town, I sold $1,800 worth of Buxus. <laughs> paid for so the car. So it paid for itself the first day. <laughs> Red Joe, not so much, but it paid yeah. for the car. Yeah. yeah. And then, so we'll give people a little bit of a tour of the Buxus farm throughout this, but 
Let's talk about uh, grass uh, because obviously your our office is based here in Berry and you're here in Berry too. So we have quite a good working relationship. But it blossomed many years ago. Um, it started many years ago, still blossoming now. But how'd you get into? Obviously, you got into turf through landscaping. But how'd you get into? Firstly, the Sawalter brand and now Lawn Solutions Australia. How'd that relationship start? All right. So firstly, one of the reasons I became a landscaper was because way back in the day, North Sydney Oval was across the road from my school and it was a really crappy footy field that no one wanted to play on. And there was a politician named Ted Mack and he was an independent and he did up North Sydney Oval to the beautiful ground that is today. And they returfed it and they put a picket fence in and they bought the bob stand from the SCG and they made it look old. North Sydney Oval isn't old, yeah. but it looks old. And I thought, wow, if you can do that there, and that was like my playground. Mm-hmm. If you can do that there, you can do that in backyards. And then I was a dummy at school. Like I really enjoyed school and sport and playground, but, you know, Napoleon didn't interest me and, <laughs> you know, whatever that chart is you learn in science and stuff like that. So... I learned more on the backyard lawn at home with mum and dad, mm-hmm. whether it be looking after your dog or your golf swing or how you tackle or play cricket or, you know, knocking the lemons off the tree, whatever it was, it was always on the backyard lawn. Yeah. And so the lawn to me is really iconically Australian. I didn't go to the beach. I was a little fat kid. I can't ride a horse. I'm not a cowboy. Yeah. And they're the two things that we sell to the world. Mm-hmm. But the reality is your backyard is most kids Australia. And so I remember that vividly and I've always loved it. Mm. And then putting it into gardens, I've always built practical gardens that families could live in. Like even if it was a show garden at Chelsea or down in Melbourne, I never built this garden that like was unrealistic. I always built backyards that had, you know, the fire pit or the swimming pool and it always had a big lawn. Mm -hmm. So back in about 2004, five maybe, I was building a – beer garden up in the Hunter Valley uh-huh. and I really like Sir Walter and I always used turf which was out at Windsor uh-huh. but because I was up there I rang the local bloke and he turned up and he had this massive truck with this sign writing turf back in the day used to get delivered on the back of a open truck and you'd throw the turf on the ground he had a forklift and I was impressed and started chatting to him and it was Brent who started Sir Walter in his back paddock uh-huh. And I thought he was just a truck driver. I still think he's just a truck <laughs> yeah. driver. And um, he said, oh, do you mind if I come back this afternoon and show you something? I chatted to him about what I was doing and what he was doing. And he brought back what was the first wedding agent I'd ever seen yeah, right. with a water crystal in it. Yeah. And he was doing a test on some grounds on the central coast and one field needed half the water of the other field. And I thought, this guy's not just a turf grower. Yeah. He's really smart. So I asked him if he wanted to sponsor a garden at the Melbourne Garden Show. And that was in 2004 because my goal was to not just be Jack the Lad on TV. I wanted to prove to people that, oh, yeah, he's a nice, likable bloke, Mm. but he actually can compete with the best. So I built this garden, put a big lawn in. Um, There was 12 gardens that year and I was the only one with a lawn. And I won a gold medal. And then the next year, every garden had a lawn Mm. in it. And I would pretty much comfortably say now, nearly 20 years later, that 95% of the show gardens would have a lawn yeah, in it. Yeah. Um, Melbourne had a very harsh drought compared to um, the rest of Australia. Like mm-hmm. Sydney has a green drought. The yeah. lawns are still green, but the dam might be low. Mm-hmm. But Victoria, like even the weeds weren't growing. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really like the fact that I put turf on that stage and those designers now use turf. Yeah. And... Getting an opportunity with you guys, like 
I remember when I spoke to Gavin Rogers and said, oh, yeah, look, I'd love to be an ambassador. Mm. And he goes, oh, we're going to um, America in about four weeks' time. I said, okay, well, I'll pay my own way and go mm. because I was invested in it. I loved it, but I didn't know, like, I taught turf establishment at TAFE. And I said, all right, kids, green side up, water the shit out of it, and you'll be right. <laughs> yeah. If you know the difference between Kikuyu, Keech, and Buffalo, you'll pass. Yep. Because yep. that's how complicated it was yep. back then. Where now with the varieties and I was lucky enough to do that America trip mm -hmm. and then I went to Vietnam as well. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like my knowledge is nowhere near what a turf farmer or greenkeeper is, mm -hmm. but I can confidently talk to any landscaper or home owner or garden designer yep. and recommend what I know. Uh, will work and yep. sometimes you say no put a garden bed in there well that's yep. where you put the path yeah because it's not the answer to every question but i guess as a landscaper having um exposure to the technology in turf and the different varieties that are available um we'll talk about tip tough and sagrange now for, for starters but as a landscaper it used to be i oh, will just put buffalo in the backyard but now you can create different looks and different finishes with these different turf products yeah i remember the big change in my opinion of turf was I used to make phone calls just to get the cheapest price. Yeah. So, and it was really important to me in my early 20s. Like if it was, you know, $5 here and $5.50 there and I was getting 100 metres, it's $50. Mm. You know, that was that was a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and then I was on the phone one day, said, mate, just come out and we'll show you our quality. Yeah. He bought me a can of lunch at the pub. It was about six bucks. It was the best six bucks he ever spent. Yeah. So I bought <laughs> turf off him for 25 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're a landscaper, if you're even mm. if you're a homeowner, most of the turf farms have got plots that you can go and look at. I know yes. you guys do. Mm -hmm. But just to see the love and care and the brains that goes into growing mm -hmm. these weed-free to type, which is the DNA certified part mm -hmm. of it, and to deliver mm -hmm. a quality product that's never been touched by hand. Yeah. You yeah. know, like all these things where even when I, I say a generation ago, but mm -hmm. it's only 20 years ago, that was cut with a thing that looked like a mower and someone else was behind it rolling it up. Then mm -hmm. they're throwing it on the truck. Then they're driving around in the full sun. Then they're throwing it on the ground at the other end. Like the quality has gone from, yeah, it looks like grass and it's really good, to it looks like the best carpet you've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Now the technology's come a long way, not just on the varieties end, but on the harvesting and the growing. Yeah. And like you said, the first person to touch the grass now is a customer, which is a pretty cool thing. So I spent a day harvesting with you once. It wasn't a day. You added three cokes and four pies by nine o'clock. Yeah. And we didn't even finish the day. You had to conk out early. That's you know? funny. You were driving the tractor watching the IPL in uh, England. <laughs> Don't tell the boss that. <laughs> um, and when it comes to turf now and the new technologies available, obviously you've been a Sawalter man for a long time now, but what do you think of the new ones that are out there on the market? When you see Tiff Tough that's been looked after, mm -hmm. um, and it, it is the idiot-proof version of having a cooch, yeah. it is 10 out of 10. And I'm in love with Grange because I love what you can do with it, where you can mow it short and you can leave it long mm -hmm. and you can really create a point of interest by having mounds of it and things like that. So Walter's still like the, and this has not been um, dismissive of it, it's like the really solid meat and three veg. You know what you're going to get. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, thought you, food. I thought I was going to get bad press or something. <laughs> uh, like, you know what you're going to get. If you're a fastidious lawn person, you're going to have a great lawn. Mm -hmm. If you mow the lawn every week or two in summer and once a month in winter and you feed it once a year mm -hmm. and you might water it when it's like really dry, yep. you're going to have a pretty good lawn. Mm -hmm. And if you mow it once a fortnight and you never feed it and water it, well, it's probably the only lawn that's going to exist. Yep. So you know what you're going to get. Tiff Tough 
if you fall in love with it, you can have a bowling green. Mm-hmm. And so Grange, like I said, I like how you can cut it at different heights. A really good trick is if you've got trees in the lawn, because it'll grow to about 150 mil. Um, you can ha- leave big rings around the, which can grow with the tree. So oh, if yeah. you plant a small yeah. tree that's, yeah. you know, four foot tall and has got a trunk on it this big, you can not mow this far around it so you're not damaging the trunk. Yep. And you get this really nice contrast. It kind of looks like Mondo grass or yep. Liriope or something like that. Yep. And as the tree gets bigger, you just mow further out. So yeah. on a rural property around here, those big rusty rings or a ring of brickwork, which is going to move when the roots grow anyway, mm. you, they might cost you $1,000 a tree. Yeah. Where with this, you've got something that can grow with the tree yeah. and it's easier to mow. and Keeps the weeds out. Yeah, yeah. looks fantastic. Yeah. So they've all got their place. Um, the best thing about it is when I was a kid, you'd roll around the lawn, you get all hot and itchy because it wasn't soft leaf buffalo. Yeah. So kids these days, they don't know how good they've got it. But no, I'm still in love with all of them yeah. and I recommend all of them for different things. Yeah. Uh, it just means that you can answer more questions because there's more choices. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not just one size fits all. Yeah. Um, they can really have a look at them, uh, see what suits their needs and they can choose from there. But great to chat. Great to catch up. People have seen you for many years now, but I suppose they get a, a, a good glimpse into what you're doing now. You're running a, a very successful Buxus business, plant nursery down here that they can check out uh, on your Instagram page. I'm sure if they search Jason Hodges. Jason Hodges and Co, I think it is, yeah. Jason Hodges and Co. Very nice. But, da- um, Danny's the Co. Danny's the Co. <laughs> Danny's still, how old is Danny now? Still going strong. Danny turns 15 in March. Danny turns 15, going she's, well. She's fitting well. Yep. It's funny, I always think she's deaf, but if you yeah. go and open any packet in the kitchen... <laughs> She'll come from 50 metres away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She's as good as gold. Uh, Very good. Well, um, we appreciate the time today and thanks for having us on your beautiful property here and we'll, um, we'll talk soon. Thanks, mate. Cheers.